Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Well, we got to get down to business. That's correct. This Ben Jarofsky Show Benny J bonus interview is brought to you in part by the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, and the Chicago Federation of Labor. Benny J, take it away. Bonus time on the Ben Jarofsky Show as I speak. It's Friday, May 8th, 2020. In the year 2020. Uh, but of course, it's anytime because you're listening to a podcast. So Lord knows when you're listening to this. I'm not going to beat around the bush. Let's get down to business, D. I'm going to ask my distinguished guest to introduce himself, and then we're going to get right down to it. So distinguished guest, introduce yourself. It's such a pleasure to be on, on the Ben Jaworski show here. Oh, wait, that's Jaworski. Okay, sorry. I got you. <laughs> Take two. Here we go. Uh, it's such a pleasure to be next to the brown line. Uh, uh, hi there, Ben Jarofsky. It's Mike Novak here from the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki on WCGO Radio. 9 to 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Good. The drop-ins, too. I, I, I should have set up my drop-ins for this. Yes, because the doctor has plenty of drop-ins. Uh, that and for was, the record, I love puppies. <laughs> the first drop-in that he dropped in was Robert Mueller of uh, the Mueller Report fame. Oh, that's correct. And the second drop-in was J.B. Pritzker, governor of the state of Illinois. I love puppies. Uh, well, I I kick puppies for a habit, just letting you know. Uh, so oh, we're, that's a- <laughs> where'd you get that joke, Mike Novak? I kick puppies uh, for a habit. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It just came. It just it, it sprang there from uh, the recesses of my tiny brain. All right, Mike Novak uh-huh. uh, does a show. He's an expert on the environment. He's an expert on gardening. Uh, he loves gardening people, and we're going to get all of that. But as I explained to him before the show began, he was very you know he's like, oh, you got to do this again. I am just <laughs> physically incapable mentally incapable of mentioning Mike Novak's name without saying emotionally incapable. (laughs) Uh, You weren't supposed to cut me off at that point that he was uh, a producer for Wally Phillips. Now he's going to correct me. Uh, Ben, I wasn't the producer. I was the engineer or something like that. Some radio thing. No, that's true. Denny knows that. He knows that there's a difference between being a producer and an engineer. Oh, yeah. Uh, These days there is... uh, the, the paychecks, the everything. paychecks are really different for sure. Well, yeah, yeah, well, and I and I will say, um, since you have such great sponsors, I was a card carrying member of IBEW Local twelve twenty when I was at uh, Gargantua Radio there, uh, engineering for Wally Phillips. Uh, to quote uh, Johnny Carson, I did not know that. Um, so, okay, yeah, he was engineer for Wally Phillips, and nobody uh, under the age of 60 knows who Wally Phillips is. So I always take this opportunity uh, to say he was uh, the giant. He was king, number one in all of radio, 
uh, throughout the 60s and 70s and probably well yep. into the 80s on WGN. Yep. And he had the morning show. No, did he have the, yeah, he had the morning show, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, and, the, uh, they, and, and little experiment at the end of his career, they tried to put him in the afternoons and boy, that did not work out. It did not work. Uh, and uh, so Mike was the guy who would punch... <laughs> Punched a little. The only thing, I, I, every time you're on, I always reflect, you know, back in the day, I, I had a job at an ice cream packing uh, factory, and um, the boss would make us listen to Wally Phillips. It was pure torture for a 16-year-old uh, to have to listen to, as opposed to listening to Larry Lujak or, you know, whatever, WCFL, uh, WLS. And, uh, but there were, the funny parts was whenever they would, somebody would punch like the little button to make weird noises. You know, I, I think that's where I get all these weird noises I do from listening those days. Packing. They're in your head. Yeah, they're, they're all in your head right now. And it was Mike Novak. Well, not literally in 1971, because... No, 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 no. I See, I came on board really late in Wally's career, and I, I was from Detroit, okay? So I grew up listening to WJR in Detroit, and I didn't know what a WGN was. And, uh, and so I show up, and uh, I got a job there as a, as, as a board op and one day, and I was, I was at a theater company, running a theater company at the time in Chicago. And, and the chief engineer, Jim Carrillo, uh, may he rest in peace, said, uh, hey, you're a creative guy. How'd you like to work for Wally Phillips? And I'm like, sure, whatever that means. <laughs> and <laughs> so I ended up for the last nine years of Wally's career. I was the guy that pushed the button and dropped in those funny voices. Yeah, you, you're pretty good at that, man. You're pretty good at that. Just like Dennis. That's correct. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I set him up. I thought he was sleeping over there, uh, Mike. All right, let's get down to business. You got Mike Novak uh, uh, on the air. You're going to talk to him about the Don't environment. And uh, the New oh. York Times, perfect timing. I did not plan this. Uh, just put together a story about Donald John Trump, President of the United States. You elected him, America. Don't blame me. Uh, reversing nearly 100 <laughs> environmental rules. Mike, 100 environmental rules. This man is deranged. Oh, yeah. Okay, he is a lunatic. Uh, let's just run down some the list. and uh, Yeah, but, us. you know, he's only, he's, only, he's only the logical extension of that movement of the conservative movement of the anti-government movement and i i actually had an argument on it wasn't much of an argument because uh, i had like two comments come from this guy on facebook and somebody else's post about this and i said yeah he's been rolling back everything and he said yeah, it was costing us so much money and i said okay I, it's easier for me to beat my head against the brick wall at home than it is here so i'll just go to the yeah, it's cold. oh man! You can't, you can't, no, don't don't go don't don't get into a fight on Facebook with uh, with a Trumper. It's it's just not worth it. Well, I uh, pretty much stay off Facebook anyway, but that's a whole other story. Uh, all right, let's get the the rhyme or reason, the logic behind Trump, and then the impact. Uh, we'll run through some of these. Uh, rolling back, reversing nearly 100 environmental rules. Uh, Donald John Trump, the man you America elected. Uh, air pollution and emissions. What's the argument in favor of rolling back uh, rules and regulations that pr protect us from poisoning ourselves through uh, toxics coming out of cars? Uh, Mike Novak, can you help me here? I'm just really struggling to understand this one. No, I can't help you. Okay, let's move on. No, uh, tell you the truth, uh, it, it all boils down to one thing or two things, basically. 
the people who, who are in favor of this thing say it's going to save companies money um, and we cannot have our hands tied by regulation. End of story. And that, it always boils down to that. And, and, and actually, they're the same point. The regulation equals money. We must have the corporations making big bucks. Uh, digits. Have you seen the stock market lately? Yeah. And, and don't even get me started on that because you were in the midst of a pandemic. And in case you haven't been paying attention, the stock market's actually been going up since its initial uh, descent and crash. Yes. And yeah. it's not connected to anything in the whole world because there are no businesses running or virtually none. People are out of work. There's, we now have what the, is it like 15% unemployment right now? Yeah. And, um, uh, and the stock market's going up. So it means that there's this cabal, these, this little group of guys in probably an apartment next to the Brown line. Okay. Somewhere <laughs> yeah. in, 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 in different cities around the country, they don't even wear masks because they can see that Donald Trump doesn't need one. So they don't need one either. And they're just tapping away at their computers. And guess what? While everybody else is begging for a check from the government just so they can pay their rent so they don't get kicked out of their homes, they're making money. Uh, and, and doesn't that just make your day, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I hadn't thought about that, but you're absolutely correct. The economy is essentially shut down, and yet the stock market is booming. The value of yeah. the value of corporations, the leading corporations in America, is rising at the very time uh, our economy is in a shambles. Yeah, there's something now. There that, are there, there's something weird about there's a complete disconnect, yes. and I have said this, I've said this for decades that you can tell when the stock market is going to go up. Uh, and it means that something bad has happened to the average American. Something bad has happened to the average worker. And then the stock market goes up. When something good happens to the, the American worker, then the market goes down. You can, you can almost chart it. Yeah, and that's why I would say the stock market is really not a good barometer uh, to use in determining the effectiveness of a president and whether a president should be reelected. But Democrats fall in that habit, too. Uh, it's just like... Well, I remember the Clintonian fans during the Bill Clinton years. The stock market's really high. Bill Clinton, what do you got to complain about, Republicans? Uh, and there was, you know, so, yeah, you've, it, you fall into that habit. You said something here. Uh, I, I have to, when you were talking uh, about the cutbacks and, and how uh, Donald Trump uh, it always says, well, you know, we're, I'm doing this because uh, it, uh, putting all these regulations on cripples the economy and people will lose their jobs. And uh, people sign on to that. And it, I had this flashback to that the National Lampoon cover of the magazine. I don't know if you remember this from, I don't forget when it was. Mike, you're far younger than me, so you probably don't remember this. But it could have been the early 80s uh, or late 70s where they had a, a dog on the cover of the National Lampoon and there was a pistol uh, and a hand holding a, a yeah. hand holding the pistol. If you don't buy this magazine, we shoot this dog. And it's <laughs> exactly the, it's the same sort of mentality. You must subject yourself to uh, these pollutants if you want a job, and that becomes the argument for the Republicans to justify gutting these regulatory policies. But thank goodness, at this point. The New York Times is at least paying attention. You're paying attention. There's, but not enough people are paying attention to this because under the cover of a, a practically a self-induced 
uh, uh, catastrophic. Uh, what's the, and the word has gone out. I mean, I've only said it 17,000 times in the last two months. Um, pandemic. Uh, we, the, uh, our government is gutting our environmental laws. So first of all, there's the, the entire mismanagement of the pandemic which has given them cover. So while everybody's scrambling to, to figure out what that means, the government is just continuing on its merry way, chopping away at a hundred laws that took decades, decades of work to, to be uh, enacted. And in a matter of three years, um, some of them will disappear forever. A lot of them are being fought in court. Uh, we don't know what will happen. What will happen if, if we get a new um, uh, administration in November? Can we roll back some of these? Uh, probably. But there's still enough damage being caused right now that it will, the, the effects will linger for years. Uh, I'll run down the list. I'll start with air pollution and emissions. Uh, so essentially, Donald Trump is uh, uh, getting rid of regulations that would uh, limit the amount of emissions cars uh, can pollute the environment with what's what's the consequence going to be on our health? Well, let's go. Let's start with that one. That's a good one because you and I, you and I are roughly the same age. Okay, so we've been around long enough to remember. I and I grew up in D Detroit, as I said before. So uh, yeah, my my mom wanted me to be a PR guy for one of the big three. That was her like dream job for me. Okay, uh, that never happened. Uh, but I watched as they fought for years against seatbelts, then fought for years against airbags. And, and every time they said, it's going to cost too much. There's no way we can afford it. Nobody's going to buy a car. Uh, guess where we are today? Uh, and then they fought for years against lower mileage for automobiles. And I can remember in, okay, in high school, in high school, probably 1970. Um, I'm with a buddy of mine and he owned a Fiat and, uh, I'm sure it was a used Fiat. Um, and he was getting 40 miles to the gallon in his little Fiat. And I said, that's not even possible. How, how can you do that? So the technology has been there for decades. Uh, but we just caved and caved and caved to mainly big oil, but also, the auto manufacturers who were in collusion with big oil. And they decided that there's not, we are not going to have good mileage because we need people to buy as much oil and gasoline as possible to put into their automobiles. So here we are, the Obama administration makes a very modest, and I mean really kind of modest stab at lowering uh, or, or, uh, or raising the, 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 the mileage rates. And even that is not good enough. We need our SUVs. And, we, and I know you're a bike rider, so. Yeah. <laughs> and so is Denny. Yeah. Um, and so you guys understand how crazy that is. But we cannot convince the American people that it is in their best interest to have better mileage standards for our automobiles. Just as we couldn't convince them for the longest time that, they really should wear a seatbelt or they should, really should have an airbag mm -hmm. to prevent themselves from dying in an automobile crash. Well, I, uh, I would argue that there are some states that uh, are taking a stand on this. And part of uh, Trump's uh, 
counterattack against uh, environmental regulation is to go after states like California that have yes. uh, higher uh, auto emission standards. And so, yeah, so he's like, you would think, again, Republicans would be for state rights. That's generally what they're, they champion on when they want it. To. Except when it goes against what they want in making money. I mean, <laughs> there's that whole... Uh, you know, that's that's the way states' rights work. You have states' rights as long as they agree with my point of view. Yeah. And then, uh-uh, you have no rights, California. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, you know, God love California for this. Yeah. I mean, and and I kind of, you might, somebody else on your show has, may have talked about this, but the nation state of California, yes. now we've got yeah. uh, uh, <laughs> our governor over there in California yeah, just saying, you know, thank you. Uh, Gavin Newsom is just great because he's he's laying the groundwork for this and saying, you know, we might just go against you. And, and what can you do about it? Yeah. Uh, and then the, another category that uh, Trump is uh, reversing environmental rules. Uh, it's linked to the auto industry, as you just mentioned, drilling and extraction. Uh, so he's opening up more offshore uh, land uh, to be uh, uh to be uh, drilled and of course opening up uh, land in the country itself for drilling um the impact of this on the environment mike what do you what will the impact be? well um um, oklahoma did not used to be the earthquake center of the universe um and uh that's that's part of what's going on we're pumping lots of we're creating pressure by 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 putting uh chemicals under high pressure into the ground uh, we have known to cause uh, earthquakes uh, for the most part. They're minor, but they are real. Um, we are going to pollute uh, our groundwater. We have already drained our aquifers to the point, and that's through mostly agriculture. Uh, in uh, The Oglala aquifer in the center of the country is so far below what it used to be, uh, and that takes millennia to replenish this is not it's not like a couple of good rains and uh, we'll we'll get the the aquifers back and what if we poison them then you can't then you can't even use the water for that I, I, um it's re- interesting and i know we're not going to go into this today because we're going to take another show you're talking about uh the michael moore mm-hmm. movie that just came out yeah uh which i have which i have not seen and and as i told you on the phone earlier um i can't make myself watch it because I know uh, my head is going to explode and there's going to be brain fragments all over the wall. <laughs> um, yeah. But now that you have <laughs> thrown down the gauntlet, uh, I am going to watch it. And Josh Fox, uh, I don't know if you know Josh Fox, he did a documentary uh, on uh, fracking and water quality a few years ago. And went and interviewed folks all over places like Pennsylvania and other parts of the country where they open their taps and the water comes out brown and you can light it with a match. Um, and uh, it's basically due to fracking. The, the, the stuff doesn't happen by itself, okay? Um, and it's so Josh has called out uh, uh, Michael Moore on this, and a lot of people are starting to call out Michael Moore, saying he's the best defender of the fossil fuel industry that they've ever had. Mm-hmm. So I, I can't speak to the movie because I haven't seen it. So I am going to watch it and then I'm going to come back on the show and then you and I can talk. No, about we it. will. Uh, yeah, that's Michael Moore's uh, new documentary, uh, Planet of the Humans. 
And uh, as people who listen to the show know, I'm regularly giving guests assignments. Nobody, if you come on this show, you figure, oh, all right, I'll help them out. I'll come on his show, and I give them work to do. And so Mike <laughs> Novak is going to have to look. Oh, do I got? Yeah, watch it. And yeah, that'll be a whole other show. We'll bring you back, and we'll uh, break down Michael Moore uh, and his documentary, Planet of the Humans, and that'll give me a chance to. But you know, we had this fracking argument. Uh, it's interesting because uh, right now the the oil industry is. Uh, <laughs> is in the toilet uh, pretty much uh, because there's such a glut of oil on the planet that will change. Uh, but it's not profitable to frack. And we've had a situation uh, where, I don't know if you remember back around, you know, six or seven years ago when uh, they were proposing the fracking laws in Illinois and uh, even the environmentalists started turning against each other. I know there were folks from the Illinois Environmental Council who, who were being called out by other people in the state because they they were in the room with the, the, the legislators and the industry. Ooh, the industry was in the room. And uh, craft, craft, crafting these laws, you know, the industry's always in the room when there's legislation always. to be always. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, and, and it, it got nasty. Well, all of that's died down. Uh, you know, and at the time they said, we have the strongest fracking laws in the nation uh, with this new bill, except that it's never been really put to the test. And what happens when we get to the point where we've gone away from the glut of oil and the fracking needs to start again, or they want it to start again, uh, what's going to happen there? Who knows? You know, in the state of Illinois, we, we don't know. Well, there's gen- um, generally in that room, when those rules are being written, uh, you can assume, yes, the in- industry is there. But whether in- the environmentalists are there, I don't know. That is- Almost never. Almost never. Well, but see, and that, and that was the argument by some of these groups, uh, groups against fracking in certain parts of the state because those are, they were going to suffer the most. They looked at groups like the Illinois Environmental Council and, the, and you know, sometimes uh, Illinois Sierra Club, and they say, well, you guys, you guys play the game. And that's why you're there. You're, you, you, will, you, will, you will not necessarily represent us. You'll represent yourself and what you consider to be uh, the uh, um, smart environmental policy. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say they, they are uh, evil or anything like that. I'm going to say, yeah, they do. That's how they get into the room. That's how you get into the room. You play the game a little bit. Now, do you have a good motive? That's important. What's your motive for playing the game? And how far are you going to play the game? And I'm probably getting myself in a whole lot of trouble just by saying this and naming names, but there you go. It's, this, is, this is how politics works. And um, I'm too old to, to mince words anymore about that kind of stuff. It's just uh, you've got to have the environment. You, some, you have to have the grassroots people in the room, too. You really do. Yeah, well, they're usually the people locked out. I'm not going to go on to a, a tangent, but we talk a lot about this show. Just briefly mention that uh, the equivalent was uh, when uh, Barack Obama was elected in 20, uh, t- 2008. He took office in 2009. There were no lefties in the room. 
when they were drafting uh, Medicare, uh, his uh, Obamacare. There were no lefties in the room when he was dra- uh, they were drafting the bailout of the auto industry. There were no lefties in the room when they were doing the stimulus bills. It was all middle of the road types. And uh, so as a result, we got a very centrist focus. Uh, and it probably wasn't that much different when the environmental rules uh, were being drafted. But compared to Trump, uh, I would have to say that uh, Barack Obama is Barry Commoner. I mean, he's, you know, <laughs> uh, there's a name that I just yeah? plucked out of the past. I'm Barry Commoner. Wow, that was good. Wait yeah. a second. I've got, I've got <laughs> I, you get a ding. Yeah, I get it. Uh, Mike and I, I almost voted for Barry Commoner back in 1980. That's a whole other story. All right, and I'll just close with this. Well, this is unbelievable. What oh, are- I, was, I was I was a big John Anderson fan back then. In no, 1980? Yeah, I was. That, John remember Anderson. John Anderson? You're talking to a political geek. That's like asking me, like, who were the Bulls, the starting lineup of the 1996 Bulls? Of course, I remember John <laughs> Anderson. He was the uh, congressman out of Rockford, northern Illinois. Uh, he was a re- lifelong Republican, and then he decided to go third party and he ran for president uh 1980 and he was the yeah. third person running ronald wilson reagan and james earl carter uh and uh, john anderson yep of course i remember that all right now uh and finally toxic substance and water pollution they're going to relax the standards regarding water pollution mike novak the world has gone insane <laughs> oh we need more water pollution that's what we need more yeah. absolutely Certainly we do. I mean, at a time when still every year, as you know, Lake Erie has warnings because of uh, algae blooms. uh, And that's just the start. You know, it's nice that the Chicago River is getting cleaner and that we finally found a way to to work on that. Uh, Because I know you kayak the river all the time. That's correct. That's hilarious. Me in a kayak. Uh, not getting in that thing. I hate, they're so narrow and you get in and it starts wobbling. I'm like, I'm not getting in a kayak. If it ever flipped over, I'm dead, okay? If, if, if I was in a kayak, that's the problem with the kayak. It's going to flip over on me if I'm in it, so. Yeah, and I'm uh, not in a yeah, kayak. You know, I, I don't know how you, you you explain that except that you have landowners who are trying to say that uh, they they want bodies of water defined as something that's there every single second of the universe okay and sometimes uh, water in area um, comes and goes um, wetlands uh, they ebb and they flow um, and we ha- have to protect the ecosystem and it, by just saying well it's it's not there in july so it can't really be water it can't really be a wet because i don't see any water <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah. the water's gonna, yeah. it's gonna be there again believe me it's going to be there for like eight months of the year and then you're not going to see it before or something like that um and um again the often industry people sometimes farmers sometimes ranchers um and sometimes people who want to uh, just uh, develop, uh, put a uh, you know, oh, a know. Uh, a new suburb somewhere. Um, and uh, <laughs> if I were king, we well, we don't have to worry about uh, uh, too much uh, building right now. Although down at the end of my block, they're right now they're 
constructing three homes yeah. uh, on what was a school. And uh, it's happening right now, even during the uh, pandemic and, and the, the stay-at-home order. Yeah, I'm not going to uh, throw your entire home state of Michigan uh, under the bus, but uh, it was a revolt by a home by property owners in Michigan against wetland rules uh, that led to some of the most destructive. I think the ex- first executive order that Trump signed— uh, don't quote me on that being the first, but one of the first had to do with wetlands, and it was uh, the offshoot of a case uh, that came out of Michigan where some guy, he just thought that um, the wetland protection rules was putting a stranglehold on his ability to sell his land to be developed. I think it was a farmer, and uh, Donald Trump turned him into a champion to uh, uh, throw out all these wetland protections, and here we are um, all these years later, and done a pretty good job of throwing them out all right let's well we, yeah, go ahead. we let me just say we, we we don't know what we have all right mm-hmm. um as a society when we start gutting some of these you know there are reasons but those laws that were passed in earlier generations is because some people got smart and figured out that this was going to disappear okay i'll give you a perfect example of that it's the uh the forest preserve district of cook county Thank goodness for people in 1912 and 1914 who were passing laws and saying, you know, we got to preserve this because it's not going to be there forever. And had they not done that, they would not be there. Now, yes, you could say a lot of it's been degraded, and that's true. It has happened uh, over decades, and a lot of it's being restored because we have begun again to recognize the importance of that. It takes people with courage to step up and say, you know what, you we – just because you can't sell a hot dog on this land, you know, and set up your, your taco stand or whatever, um, it doesn't mean that it's useless land. There's biology there. There's, there's flora, there's fauna, and it ultimately benefits all of us. And if we destroy all that, we destroy humanity. All right. Well put. I could not uh, say it better. Let's switch to local. Usually when you're on the show, uh, we always have this segment uh, where the two of us rant and rave about uh, Mayor Rahm Emanuel's decision to destroy the Department <laughs> of Environment. And hey, Ben, 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 it, I, don't, I don't know if you realize that he's not mayor anymore. No, he's not mayor, but the new mayor, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, did not bring it back, which leads me to Hillco Gate, uh, which is the decision, which is, we talked about this on the show a lot for, I forget how long this was in the news, uh, the people who run the city of Chicago thought it would be a good idea to grant a demolition permit to a company that uh, uh, in Little Village that enabled them to tear down a smokestack in the middle of this pandemic. Mm-hmm. And all this dust was uh, transmitted throughout uh, the neighborhood. Uh, I have a bel- feeling that if there was a Department of Environment, at least there would be somebody. You talk about somebody in the room. There might have been somebody in the room going, eh, I don't think that's a good idea. Uh, you know, whether they were listened to or not is a whole other story. Uh, but I got a feeling they had at least been in the room to raise an objection. I'd hope anyway. Uh, what do you, you know think? what? I, I, I would like to think that would have been the case. I think there might have been an objection raised. And at the very least, Maybe the people in the neighborhood would have been notified more than um, a day and a half in advance so that they, they could raise objections to it. I mean, the, the way it was handled was so horrible. Just um, 
ham-fisted, really bad policy, really bad government, uh, bad politics all the way around, bad environmentalism, just everything about it stinks. Um, and, and then we saw Lori Lightfoot running out and saying, oh, that's not going to happen again. We're going to change. It's like the horse is out of the barn. <laughs> the horse is running, is trying to swim in the Chicago River right now, okay, because it's trying to get away from the smoke cloud. Um, and, 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 that's, and, and the other point is that you look at the people in Little Village, uh, and I've been following what, what's happened there for uh, a number of years, as I'm sure you have. You write about injustice. If anybody's going to suffer an injustice, it's going to be people of color and people in this kind of a neighborhood, that, that it happened again. Wow, what a surprise. I'm just sitting here scratching my head. How could it happen to, to, to people of color in, in the city of Chicago, on the south side, or the, you know, you know, the next thing we'll know, hey, there's degradation on the southeast side where they used to have, you know, how about um, uh, down in uh, Pullman? Yeah. Well, how about Calumet? Do oh, you think there's pollution down there? Oh my goodness, how did that happen? This is its way it always happens in the city of Chicago. Um, and uh, it was outrageous. And and people, somebody needs to pay for it. I mean, thank goodness there wasn't, as they did an air check, quality check, there was not asbestos in the cloud. Yay. What about other stuff? We're in the middle of a pandemic. People are <laughs> wearing masks um, and being told uh, they've got to watch out for their respiratory system. So let's blow a big cloud of smoke through the neighborhood and see what happens. Yeah. No, I, I uh, it, it was one of those story, stories that uh, erupted and then was overwhelmed by the pandemic. Uh, and so it was sort of forgotten. Uh, just I don't, I, well, yeah, because we moved on very quickly to other things, but we were already in the pandemic yes. and that's what makes it even worse is that, you let this happen now. Why was there such an urgency to get that thing torn down at that time? What else was going on? What, what don't we know about? That's what I want to know about this. What was, who was in the room, since we're talking about I want to be in the room, uh, when it happened? Uh, and who gets led into the room? Obviously, nobody from the neighborhood was in the room where that decision was made. And that's what I just said a few seconds ago, which is we have to have the grassroots people, if you want a real democracy, and besides, we're, we're having our democracy chipped away uh, uh, and, 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 and torn down brick by brick by our government in Washington, so maybe I'm, I'm dating myself here. Hey, remember when our country <laughs> used to have democracy? Yeah. Wasn't that cool? That yeah. was really fun. I liked it. Yeah. We don't anymore no, in some do. way. Uh, well, we're, we're trying to restore it here. Uh, yeah, no, I... The, the decision to allow that smokestack to, uh, to be demolished uh, in the middle of a pandemic uh, is probably a case study that warrants, I don't, well, at the very least, like a mammoth reader investigation, uh, a book, a movie, a documentary, be, because it's illustrative of, you're right, so much of the history of oversight or lack thereof in poor or working class neighborhoods in Chicago and, yeah. the, and the economic, uh, the, excuse me, the environmental and I saw degradation. The same thing. Go ahead. Yeah. I saw the same thing happen in Detroit before I moved out of the city of Detroit. I was a reporter in Detroit uh, back in the, uh, in the seventies and it's the same thing. And there was a city that 
really got knocked flat uh, by the uh, disturbances uh, in uh, in the in the late '60s, and um, it it just it didn't come back for decades. I think now it's got a little more, but every time you turn around, something bad is happening in Detroit. Um, it's just a um, boy. It's 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 frustrating to be there, and and sometimes I wish. I lived there so I could I could fight for the, that poor city, but uh, I've moved on, and now I just every now and then I look back and scratch my head and say, how how can you let these things happen? Like you know, in Flint as well, Michigan. You mentioned Michigan, and of course I'm from Michigan. You can say all the bad things you want about Michigan because I don't recognize that state anymore from the state I I grew up in. Um, it's um, it's it's pretty crazy, uh, and it, like. Yeah, the, you know the the Operation Gridlock people. Uh, I don't know if you follow them. Those are the protesters. The the first uh, big protest against uh, stay at home orders took place in Michigan, uh, when uh, hundreds of people got in their cars and drove to Lansing, and they called it Operation Gridlock. They're going to shut down downtown Lansing, which is the state capital, uh, to protest yeah. the Governor Whitmer's uh, stay at home regulations, and that's. It's sort of the prototype for protests that have occurred all over the country, including right here in Chicago. Uh, I could not have uh, Mike Novak on without asking him some gardening questions. He's a foremost authority <laughs> on gardening in the city of Chicago, and as such, but, yeah, before we before we get to gardening, because I, I do want to make a, a point about that. But you, you know, talking locally about um, uh, environmental issues in Chicago, there was a an amazing article, and I talked about it on my own radio show, which is. Uh, Sunday morning, 9 to 11 a.m. on WCGO, 1590 a.m. Uh, what was that again? Uh, I didn't hear that. When, when is it? Oh, it's MikeNovak.net, M-I-K-E-N-O-W-A-K.net, and you can catch podcasts or listen live Sunday mornings, 9 to 11 on WCGO, 1590 and 95.9. On your AM dial. Uh, That's correct. Anyway, so I was just going to say one of the things I was talking about is, is recycling. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the things that, and it's not just here, not just Chicago, but we all, you know, as you know, have one of the worst recycling rates in the entire world in Chicago, uh, which, uh, and there have been no efforts to, to fix it since we have had a new administration. And I'll call up any administration, anytime. I beat up on Richie Daly. I beat up on Ron, Rahm Emanuel. And now I will beat up on Lori Lightfoot if she cannot fix uh, recycling in Chicago. But what folks have been doing now is they're throwing PPE into recycling bins used uh, gloves, latex gloves, and masks, um, and goggles, and just, folks, what are you doing? People, 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 don't be crazy. You know, that, but of course, they only throw them in the recycling bin when they don't just leave them on the ground. I don't know how many you've seen floating around in your neighborhood, but they, they always end up in my garden for some reason. <laughs> I'm sorry to be <laughs> I didn't mean to laugh, Mike, but that's, they always end up okay. in my car. I took a photo and put it on Facebook of a, of a glove, of one of those latex gloves just floating around next to my muscari in my garden, okay? It's a purple flower, very nice, very lovely. Doesn't look good next to a, a, a PPE uh, a glove, okay? Uh, by the way, Mike Novak, uh, foremost authority in gardening in the city of Chicago, the only person in Chicago who can tell you the difference between muscari and a petunia. Uh, and uh, 
So, Mike, what is the difference between uh, a rose and a petunia? Uh, one of them is an annual in Chicago. The other is a shrub and it will come back every year unless it gets a big disease like black spot or you prune it to death, something like that. And, uh, that's the difference between a rose and, and a petunia. And by the way, muscaria is sometimes called grape hyacinth. Uh, if you're wondering what the common name might be. And I don't always rem- remember both. Sometimes I'll remember the Latin name. And sometimes I'll remember the common name, and and often I can't remember both, so it'll be one or the other. Well, but I'm, you wanted to ask. I, yeah, I'm really impressed that I'm. Mike knows this. Uh, I really know nothing about gardening, so I'm not even gonna pretend I know anything about gardening for the sake of this interview. <laughs> it's, uh, it's not like I get, you know I read an article and now I'm gonna just really you know wing it. Uh, well, Mike, uh, you're really worried about my petunia plant, um, <laughs> but. Uh, you were saying that there's been that COVID nineteen has actually had an impact on the gardening industry as well. Oh my goodness! Yeah, this has been a brutal season for the gardening industry because for the longest time you couldn't uh, you couldn't even get to a garden center, and now the rules have been relaxed so that you can't go into the store, but you can go into the outside area as long as you uh, practice social distancing, mm-hmm. uh, but it was killing the uh, industry because this is their big season. There is no other season. Spring is it. I mean, yes, garden centers are often open all year round, but if they don't make money in the spring, they're cooked. They're done. Um, now, I don't know how how many people are going to go under because of this. I remember uh, the recession of 2008, a lot of garden centers went belly up because of that. Uh, are we going to have the same thing happen? It's a possibility. And then I had a guy on my show recently. This was a couple of weeks ago before Governor J.B. Pritzker relaxed the rules um, about certain industries, and, and gardening was one of them. Um, they were being told, independent garden centers were being told they couldn't have people in there, but the big box stores were letting people go into their garden centers. Well, because they're in a box store and, oh, look, the sliding glass door is open. I can wander into the gardening part of the store. And it was completely unfair. So you were giving the box stores a big leg up uh, that the independent stores did not have. Mm. Boy, we're just so determined to see our independent garden centers go the way of bookstores. All right. We, we, Amazon managed to kill bookstores. We thought it was uh, Barnes and Noble that was going to kill <laughs> bookstores. We had no idea until Jeff Bezos came along. Yeah. Um, and so if we're going to hold on to any independent garden centers, and I always tell people, if you're buying your plants, please buy them in an independent garden center. Well, they have to survive too. And this April is their biggest season of the year. Now here we are in May, and I know that you know. As we mentioned at the top of the the uh, the podcast here, uh, podcasts are universal; they don't have dates. Well, this one does actually, because um, today is the eighth, tomorrow's the ninth. We're supposed to have a freeze overnight in Chicago. Uh, now, if you're nearer the lake, you might not get it. Uh, if you're away from the lake. Um, yeah, you're probably going to experience a freeze because uh, my meteorologist, Rick DeMaio, who's on my show, says he, he defines it basically as more than four hours at about 28 degrees or less. Well, we're going to get down there. We might have six or seven hours of a freeze. Um, so people who have planted stuff already, 
might see those plants gone. Garden centers, I, there was a garden center in Chicago that was set to open today and they postponed it for a week. And I figure it's because it's, it's going to freeze tonight. Why would you open your garden center? You know, and they had been waiting uh, for the proclamation from the governor and they backed off because, well, let's wait another week where we have some good weather. But every week that they're not open, they're losing revenue. Um, it's hard to say what's going to happen, but it's been a brutal season. On the other hand, there are, uh, for instance, arborists are allowed to go out and trim trees in certain uh, situations. They are considered an essential business because if you've got a storm and you've got a branch hanging from a tree, you need to have that removed yeah. because it could be a danger to somebody. So that's essential. But ordinary pruning work and other kinds of tree work um, are verboten at the moment. So it's slowing those businesses down too. It's kind of hard to see who's going to live and who's going to die in this. Yeah, I would have made the argument that uh, gardening store is an essential business. And I say this as a person, uh, it's funny coming from me because I am the anti-gardener. Uh, I But my wife loves gardening. And I know that uh, many people get sort of a psychological benefit uh, jolt from it uh it's a form of relaxation it's it's like equivalent of smoking a joint for a lot of people and <laughs> i just god bless them, man. you can do that while you're gardening you, too, a lot of people know? do both and so i just could not understand why it was not included and i didn't know what there was about a gardening store that made it more likely like than a liquor store, let's say, you know, uh, or a, uh, the Trader Joe's or Jewel's or Whole Foods or what any, you know, uh, grocery store. I, I didn't quite understand the distinction. I understand like, for instance, a barbershop or a hair salon. Okay. I get the understanding why that there's a lot of human contact going on there, you know, uh, but a gardening not, store. You're right. There's, there's not in gardening, and that's a really important point. Yeah. Um, and 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 part of the problem here now is that what have you been hearing on from various people uh, giving advice what to do during the COVID nineteen outbreak? Well, go into your garden and and dig in the dirt, and it'll make you feel better, and you'll get connected with nature. The problem is we're asking people to do that who might not regularly do that. So to do that, they need to go to a gardening center to get plants that they can put in their garden. And so we're saying, go dig in the dirt. Well, with what? <laughs> if, you know, if you don't already have this stuff, yeah. what do you, what do you, we're, for instance, seeds. A lot of the seed distributors in the country, the seed company, um, are backed up for months. If you order a seed now, some of them have said, we will not take any more orders right now. So there's another thing. Everybody wants to save a little money. Let's put a seed in the ground. Well, guess what? You can't get them in some places. I mean, you can. If you scramble, you can probably find something, but it ain't easy. Mm. So here's it's this double whammy. We told people, go out in your garden and relax, except we close the garden yeah. centers. Now, what kind of logic is, is involved in that? And as people I know who work for garden centers say, it's really easy at a garden center to keep people six feet apart. It really is. And you're outdoors. And, and we were just reading, Kathleen and I were reading a report just today that if you're outdoors, your chances of picking up the virus are pretty slim, slim to none. Um, as long as you're not at, you know, at a crowded stadium watching a bears game, mm -hmm. um, 
but at a garden center, yeah, that's that's pretty easy. So why wouldn't you relax that a little bit? And so I'm I'm glad they did. Yeah, I'm glad they did too. And if we keep going this way, I'll end up sounding like one of those prote- protesters on the corner. Open it up! Open everything up! So uh, we'll no, 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 no. See, that's that's the thing. It's it it can't be uh, uh, black and white. It can't be either or. It's it's use your noodle here. Figure out what makes sense. I'm I'm sick of people say we have to have everything opened up, um, or everything has to be closed. Yeah. Well, can, can we, is there a reason we are the dominant species on the planet? And I think it's our brain, <laughs> yeah. but we're not using it right now. Let's figure out how to use our brains so that we don't make uh, every business in the world collapse uh, and that we can move forward and not get everybody contaminated yeah. as well. So how do we do that? How do we make that happen? Yeah, I don't know. That is the, we've been talking about that. Mike, we'll close it with this. What you just said, you articulated it very well. That has been uh, the center of conversation for the last week. We have talked about this up and down, in and out, uh, dealing with like the restaurant association, how upset they are, uh, how they want to open things up. And uh, the, the reality is that nobody knows. Nobody knows. No. They how don't. long this virus is going to be around. They don't know, uh, you know, they don't even know if, if you get it once, whether you're how immune you are to it. Even that basic question is, is there's like people on all sides of it. The, the issue of how much protection does a mask give is something that it, it's op- open to debate. So there's so much ignorance about this uh, and people are just trying to figure it out that it's really hard to come up with just an absolute, like, you know what I mean? It's okay to open up a garden store. It's absolute. Obviously you can't just open up a garden store. You have to have pro, you know, ways to protect the, the people. That you come have to have rules. rules you, exactly. you have to have rules. And, and, and the, 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 uh, the, the biggest failure of our government has been to be inconsistent with this, um, they, they talk out of both sides of their mouth. Uh, we're going to look back in history and say what, what was coming out of the White House during this time was criminally negligent. Yeah. And people need to pay for that because we could have done so much. This didn't need to happen. And people are saying that in those words. This did not need to happen in this way. We could have done so much better. And we had an idiot in charge. We had the idiot who was calling the shots and now we're paying for it and we're paying for it with people's lives. And it makes me angry. And if that idiot is not voted out of office in November, we are done as a society. We are done. We are finished as a democracy. Wow. That's a good uh, part as ever to leave it. Uh, Strong, powerful to the point. Uh, Mike, one last time, tell folks where they can hear the real deal. Not just some guesting on Ben Jarofsky's show, but where they can hear the unfiltered Mike Novak. Go. Uh, well, I'm sure if you're a conservative, you won't want to listen to me now, but. <laughs> oh, I like tons of conservatives are listening to you right now. 
They're all yeah, listening. that's true. When they're done what with Rush Limbaugh, they go over to Ben Jarofsky. <laughs> uh, well, Denny, Denny's a conservative, so you know you got him. He's a captive audience. <laughs> He's locked. <laughs> Where does this come from? No, I'm not. Also, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> that is so. Well, yeah, well, I've got one. I've got one for you. Okay. Don't be a <laughs> yeah. Wait, do that again. Which one? <laughs> okay, here we go. Don't be a jerk. <laughs> no, I don't be a jerk. <laughs> he has a million of them. Mike Novak, he's the guy that pushed the button, and you thought Wally Phillips was so clever. It was really Novak in a back room. All right, I'll push a button. <laughs> Everybody go, God, that Wally Phillips is a genius. And the people that know is Novak. Uh, no, it was uh, it was a it was a combination. I, I will I will say in Wally's defense, he was a very very clever man, um, and you could throw anything at him and he would roll with it. And uh, it was pretty remarkable to watch in real time. Yeah. All right. One more time. Where can people listen to? There you go. Mike Novak. Oh right, nine to eleven a.m. Sunday mornings, uh, WCGO, 1590 AM, 95.9 FM, also at net. You can catch podcasts. We also stream live video on Facebook and the YouTubes. And uh, <laughs> and that's uh, it's about all you need to know. Go green or go home. <laughs> all, all right. right. <laughs> all right. You're going to dig. All right, Mike Novak, get back in that garden. Stay safe, and uh, we'll talk to you real soon. Thanks for coming. All on. right, I, I will go watch that horrible movie. I mean, that wonderful movie. We don't know what it is yet, but and then we'll talk about it. Very good. That's the great Mike Novak. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everyone. Come on, baby, I don't want you to go. Come on, baby, I don't want you. Gotta protect this place. Stay home, Chicago. Stay home if there's nowhere that you need to go. Oh, yeah! Stay home and go in your place today. Yeah. Gotta protect this place. Stay home, Chicago. That's correct.